you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. The Lord put a couple of passages on my heart. Sorry, I'm a little snotty for some reason. Karen says, yeah, you're always kind of, always kind of snotty. Yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, Lord put a couple of passages on my heart that I think tie together. And uh, so we're just going to see how this goes. But so you might want to get something to write with or take a few notes. I don't have any slides on the screen for you today. Um, we're going to leave time uh, for the end of the service. We invite every one of you to come up. We're going to take some time, give you time to come up and just share something that you're grateful for, something that the Lord's been doing in your life. Never underestimate the power of your testimony. And that doesn't just mean how you got saved. It means what is God doing in your life? What are you thankful for? That our testimony encourages people. It builds hope. It builds faith in people. So, so uh, while we're going through the word, just be thinking about that. And uh, be great if, if everybody came up and shared something at the end of the service. All right? So, you can turn over to Luke chapter 12, if you would, with me. Luke chapter 12. Um, this was when the Lord first put this in my heart. I kind of didn't get it. Uh, and and I was, you know, I was like, well, this. But God, this is a Thanksgiving service. Did you did you forget this is a Thanksgiving service? So um, I'm going to begin. Well, let's just begin in verse one, Luke chapter twelve, verse one. I'm reading from the New International right now. Jesus, it, it says, meanwhile when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, that had to be awesome, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the rooftops. Now, that whole part is not our subject for today, but I can't pass it over. Jesus warned his disciples about the, he called it the yeast, right, of the Pharisees. Yeast is something invisible, once you get it in the, in the loaf, right? Something we can't see that gets worked into a loaf of bread and changes the nature of the loaf of bread. Okay, and Jesus called hypocrisy. The hypocrisy that was in their leaders, he said, that will act like yeast in your life. There are a lot of things that will act like yeast in our lives. And we're going to talk for a few minutes this morning about fear. He's going to address fear next. He's going to tell us what we should fear, what we should not fear. Fear works the same way. If you let a little bit of it into your life and into your heart, it will work its way into everything that you think, everything that you do, everything that you have. Fear is insidious. Fear will work that way in you. Unforgiveness is the same way. Offense is the same way. You let it in one place and pretty soon 
It's in everything. It's coloring offense. We'll color everything you see and hear. You'll start hearing things that were never said. You'll start seeing uh, and perceiving that people are doing things and assign a motivation to that that was never there. Offense works that way. So, so Jesus warns him, and then in the second part of that, he said, there's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. The basic message there is don't have secrets in your life. Don't have a secret life over here. It's going to come out. It's going to ruin you. Be transparent. Live. We, we talked last week uh, uh, about being genuine, about being honest, about having integrity and, and those types of things. And, and this goes to that. So verse four, all right, let's look at this. Verse 4, Luke chapter 12, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after the killing of the body has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now, if you don't get anything else this morning, take home the fact that God considers you worth more than a whole bunch of sparrows. That's, that is uplifting. So let's back up. So Jesus tells us again, he's going to tell us the basic, you can write this down if you're taking notes. When we walk in the fear of the Lord, we have nothing to fear on earth. Okay, when we walk in the fear of God, when that is the context of our life and our attitude, we have nothing to fear on earth. Paul said, you know, what can, David said, what can man do to me? Paul said, if God is for me, who can be against me? Who can succeed as my enemy? Okay, it, when we walk in the reverential fear of God, we don't have to fear anything on earth. That doesn't mean that nothing's ever going to be, nothing's ever going to scare you. We can get, we can have momentary, we can get scared by something that's a threat, but we're not going to allow that momentary type of fear to become the overriding dominant uh, motivation in our hearts and in our lives. That makes sense to you, okay? So Jesus said, I'll tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. He's setting up a value system here. He's saying on earth, the worst somebody can do to you is deal with your physical life now, your temporary life. Okay, they can't, the worst they can do to you is kill your body. The worst they can do, you know, is give you a really awful death, you know. But no matter what would happen on this earth, every one of those things, no matter what has happened in your life, and there are some tragedies that happen in our life, no question about it, all of them are temporary. All the pain on this earth, all the injustice on this earth, all of that, it's all temporary. Okay? But what happens after this life is not temporary. What happens after this life is eternal. And so that's where our focus needs to be. We need to be living with that heavenly perspective. Jesus says, but I will show you whom you should fear. That word show, that's one of those little words we can just read over, show. The King James Version says, forewarn. I'll forewarn you, okay, what you should fear. That, that word literally means, I will go out of my way to make this perfectly clear to you. Okay, Jesus is really emphasizing this. 
And he says, whom you should fear, fear him who after the killing of the body. Now we know the scripture says that God is not a murderer, right? That's why we had a commandment telling us not to be murderers is because it's not God's nature to be a murderer. So Jesus is not, is not saying, if you blow it, God's going to strike you dead. That is not the message of Jesus. We know that in John 10, 10, Jesus said, it is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly, right? So I like the way the NIV renders this. It says, fear him who after the killing of the body, doesn't say after he kills your body. It says after the killing of the body, he has the power to throw you into hell. So the point is he has eternal judgment. He has eternal life. He has eternal death. If we don't make Jesus the Lord of our life, eternal separation from God, he has the power and authority of eternal judgment. Okay. And, and so the point is that is who we need to have fear for, all right? But it's two different ideas, and you have, you know, we've taught this many times. Things on earth, there is, there is a fear, and, and really the word Jesus uses here is the Greek word phobos, where we get phobia, things like that. It is a, it is a fear that makes us run the other way. It is a fear that causes us to avoid something. It is a fear that pushes us away. The fear of the Lord is actually, and we know this throughout the scripture, it is a reverential awe of God. And we do see that when, like when angels show up and people are confronted with an angel, even when that angel has a good message, everybody falls on their face. Do you ever notice that? It, it is an an awestruck thing to be in the presence of God. It is a reverential awe that motivates a different life. So Jesus is saying, don't be living in continual anxiety and worry and fear of natural things. They're temporary, but do live your life with a reverential awe of the Lord. Either of those types of fear can motivate, can be the motivation for your actions, your thoughts, your decisions. And Jesus is saying, don't be afraid on this end. Don't, don't let the things that happen on this earth cause you to live as a coward, to live in a fearful condition. Don't allow the things that happen on this earth to cause you to be a person who lives in constant anxiety, to be a person who lays awake and worries at night. Now, we need God's help with that. I know that none of you have ever laid awake and worried at night, but you probably know someone that may have done that, okay? And, and when we're laying awake worrying or we're going through, it starts to come out our mouth. We start to change direction based on what we're afraid of, right? And so Jesus is saying, we need to have that deep, reverential, worshipful awe and respect of God and his opinions and his judgments. And we need to allow his opinions, his judgments, his, what, what he says, we need to allow that reverential awe of that to direct the course of of our lives, okay? And I just was thinking again about how, 
Life is so much easier when we do that. Stuff happens in everybody's life. It's going to. We're on a fallen planet. Things are going to happen in our lives. But we don't need to be creating problems for ourselves. We don't need to stay in a place of living in anxiety. We don't have to live there. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. And I never see Jesus being anxious. All right. And, and the way that we do that is by living in the fear of God. I was thinking again the other day about how can you imagine, you know, here, here are two things. That one is things that happen on earth. So there's that part of it. A lot of it is the opinions of people. Jesus in context here, he's talking to his disciples. He starts out talking about the religious leaders who were the rulers of the day. And he starts putting all that in. The context is here, don't allow yourself to be afraid of those people that want to dominate your life with that system, okay? And he comes along, he says, no, you need to live in the fear of God, not in the fear of man, all right? And today we have people that are living in fear and agitation over the opinions of people. The opinions that they hear, that they see, that they find online. There are people who are caught up in, I need to, I need to have this point of view so I'll get a lot of likes and a lot of clicks. Okay? And, that's, and I'm, I'm not being critical. This is sad that our identity would be caught up in that, in the opinions of people. The opinions of people change constantly. The same crowd that stood on the road and threw their coats down and cheered and welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem, a week later were screaming, crucify him. Okay, Same people. The, the, the opinions... The, the criticisms, whatever of people. I think the, the deal is we need to not be moved either by people's applause or their criticism, okay? doesn't mean we have to be hard-hearted. doesn't mean we have to not care about people, but we need to be people who fear God. That needs to be the motivating factor of our lives. I told you a few weeks ago, the Bible tells us 365 times do not fear in one form or another. There's a reason there's one of those scriptures for every single day of our life, okay? So, um, I said this earlier, one of those types of fear, the fear of man or the fear of circumstances, bad things happening on earth, that causes us to run from, okay? To avoid. We don't want to be people who, when there's an uncomfortable situation, we want to grow to the point where we're not just living in avoidance, I don't really want to confess this. So I'm up here arguing right now. So we've been here 27 years. A lot of people just love us. A lot of people don't. Okay? We're pastors. Everybody does that. You know, they form an opinion one way or the other. So there have been people along the way who it's uncomfortable for me personally, my flesh, to run into them in town. But I kind of like the fact that we run into each other in town. So what does that mean? It means I got to grow up, okay? It means I got to get past that. It means I got to keep pushing through with the Lord until I, I'm, I'm back at loving that person more than I care how I feel, right? So, so walking in city market, I've done this. I really didn't want to confess this this morning. The Lord brought it up earlier and I kind of blew by it. Um, 
you know, I've done it. I've walked out, walked through City Market, looked down the end of the aisle. There's somebody I really don't want to deal with. And I'd go the other way. What I needed was on that aisle. I know none of you have ever done this. I'm just confessing my sin to you. And, and, but you know what? I mean, when I've done that, it embarrasses me that I would act that way. And I go to God and I ask his forgiveness. I start praying for that person. I am determined to get to where I love and care about that person more. Whatever happened between us or whatever, some of it's, you know, there's validity. Some of it's just made up stuff that they believed. Whatever, I'm not going to leave it there. I want to love that person. We all have that opportunity. So, and, and that defeats fear. It defeats embarrassment. It defeats all those types of things. So one kind of fear makes us run from the object of our fear. The other one, the fear of God actually draws us to him. Because in that reverential awe, there's a real place of security, you know? So it actually draws us to the Lord, all right? So Jesus went on and he said, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, okay? So here again, he's saying, well, let me finish it. Not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered, It's easier for some than it is for others. Don't be afraid you're worth more than many sparrows. The point there is human value is way different than God's value. We look at a couple, you know, five sparrows. It's like, oh, give me two cents. You know, that's that's my value I'm placing on those five sparrows. Jesus is saying, but God knows every one of them. He knows the number of the hairs on your head. The point is, when we understand our value before God, we can walk very easily in the reverential fear of the Lord. Make sense? When we know how loved we are, we, we need that revelation in our heart. So let, let me wrap this part up and just say this. So what we respond to in fear is pointing out who or what we worship. Okay? If because when we fear something and we go the other direction, that thing's in charge or the fear's in charge, however you want to think about it. And whatever we obey is what we actually worship. It's kind of part of the definition of worship. We obey it. So if we're obeying what we fear, if we're letting fear dominate us, that's telling us something about where our hearts are. It tells us something about what, what or who we worship. Whatever exercises the most influence on our lives, that's what we actually worship. Another way I love of saying this is if there's something you have to check with before you obey God, that's what you worship, okay? If the Lord tells me to take groceries to somebody's house and the first thing I have to do is go check with my checkbook and check with my bank account and with what bills are coming at the end of the month and all of that, that stuff is in charge, not the Lord, because I'm obeying that, okay? God tells me to go love on somebody, and I start thinking about justifying not doing that because of who they are or what they've done or what I've felt or whatever. That stuff is what's in charge. Whoever we obey shows what we worship. Okay, so why are you talking about all this on Thanksgiving week? Because fear and gratitude do not coexist. They will not coexist. When we're, when we're afraid, when you're laying awake at night worrying, you're probably not giving thanks for all the blessings of God. When you're 
giving thanks for the blessings of God in your life than the things where you haven't seen the blessing yet, don't worry so much, okay? Because you're reminding yourself of the faithfulness of God. You're reminding yourself of where he's been good in the past, what he has done, what he's done along the way, how he's provided, how he's healed your body, how he's taken care of your kids, how he's provided a job for you, how he's provided this or that or the other thing. And you're thinking about that. It's really hard to lay there and worry when your heart gets full of gratitude. The, the two, fear and gratitude, just don't coexist. All right, so if we allow the fear of man, the fear of circumstances to dominate in our our lives, we're going to have a lack mentality. We're going to think about what we don't have, what didn't happen, all of that. It's going to be impossible to live in gratitude. And let me make just a couple of statements about that. Gratitude is so important and so emphasized in the Bible because it is a catalyst. It's a catalyst for hope. Hope is defined in the Bible as a a cheerful, exuberant expectation of blessing coming toward us. All right, you're anticipating the good thing God's going to do. That's hope. That's, That's how the Bible defines hope. Gratitude is a catalyst for hope. When we are thankful to the Lord and we're recounting what he has done, when we're thankful to him like that, all of a sudden we're anticipating what he's going to do. It's just an it's just an automatic thing with us. And when we are living in gratitude and living in hope, then generosity starts to flow out of our lives. And generosity in the Bible doesn't just mean the size of a gift. It means that, you're like, that things are free-flowing. You can receive things easily and you can give things away easily. It's just whether that's you know financial or material things or whether that's spiritual things or emotional things, when you have joy, you give it away, right? When you have friendship, when you, you, when you want a friend, you sow yourself as a friend. You just, it's, it's generosity means to be free-flowing. Gratitude produces that kind of life, okay? So, so the idea is Jesus is telling us, don't be afraid of all this stuff on earth. Get engaged with the fear of God. One of the byproducts of that will be gratitude. We will be thankful people. Gratitude is a natural byproduct of our awareness of God's goodness. And most of us have to, on purpose, remember God's goodness. We're better at focusing on what we don't have yet than what God has done. So it becomes, it's something we have to practice. It's something we have to build into our lives. Does does this make sense to you? Okay. Gratitude, your gratitude, all right, expressed, it paves the way for hope. It sets a foundation for faith. And that positions you to receive the blessing that's on its way. One more, gratitude encourages the discouraged. Okay. When we share our gratitude, it encourages people who are discouraged. It brings them up. It, allow, it empowers them to hope. Okay? And when we are discouraged or we are hopeless, it's really important that we start celebrating somebody else's blessing. That we don't get mad because somebody else got blessed. Instead, we see their blessing and we say, man, that's my God that did that. And he's no respecter of persons. And if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. 
and I begin to celebrate and be thankful for what they're thankful for. Does this make sense to you? It's a, it's a mindset. All right, so here's my point in all of this, and I don't think we're going to go through all the scriptures here, but you can look at them later. Joshua chapter 4, okay? Joshua chapter 4, I'm just going to try and talk us through it. So the children, Moses has died. Israel is coming into the promised land. Joshua is leading them, and God gives them a specific way to do that. They have to cross the Jordan River. The Jordan River is at flood stage. It's cranking, okay? There are kayakers out on the waves. It's cranking, and they have to cross that, and it is, so the Jordan River is a physical barrier between Israel and the promise of God, the fulfillment of promise. And he said, I want the priests to go in first, we're all kings and priests in the kingdom of God, carrying the ark, which is the presence. That's where the presence of God was. And he said, not until the priest's feet touch the water is that river going to split, but then it's going to split and you're going to go across on dry land, just like what happened with the Red Sea. And that's what happened. But somebody had to carry the presence of God into an impossible situation before that way opened. All right, so there's lots of good images here for us. But and that's what they did. And the priests went in, the river split, it backed up for miles up the way, and everybody went across on dry land. But um, then the Lord told Joshua that he wanted them to choose one person from each tribe, so one person from each of the 12 families, okay, to go in and pick up a rock from right where the priests were standing and take that rock over, and they built a memorial out of those rocks. So, they, so the picture is, we are going to look at the miracles, the blessings that happen in our lives, and we are going to take something from right there where the miracle happened, and we are going to set it up somehow in our life as a memorial. And he said to them, he said that those memorials would serve as a sign among you. And in the future, when your children ask, what do these stone mean, stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, when Israel crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And we see this a number of places in the scripture where somebody set up a memorial. And they set up a memorial so that they would remember what God did. And it says over and over and over in the Old Testament, so that when your kids ask, okay, when your kids ask, what's this about? You go back and tell them what God did in that place. All right. Now, some of us don't have children. Well, there are plenty of people coming up in your life. We need to be deliberately creating memorials in our lives. That can be a written record of something God has done. It can be for some of us, sometimes there's a place where we remember what the Lord did at a certain time in in our lives. It can be a number of different things, but we need to purposefully, God had them purposefully set up reminders that would be encountered later and by other generations. And that's what our testimonies are. But they need to be in some kind of form where we will remember them. And I have, I just brought 
I don't have much time here, do I? No. Uh, what a surprise. I brought all these Bibles in because, and actually I forgot the first one. Um, throughout my life as a Christian, which I didn't get serious about God till my early 20s, um, I, have a, I have Bibles that I had throughout the time. And the first one is an NIV Bible that I put the little tabs on the pages. You used to be able to buy the little tabs and stick them on the pages so eventually you'd rip a piece out of the page. But anyway, it was so that you could see each book of the Bible. And you know, and that was my racing Bible because we were at Believer's Center. There was a lot of teacher, teaching going on. We started into Bible school and I was, always, I was always beating Karen to the scripture, trying to beat Karen to the scripture. And so that was my racing Bible. But I still have that Bible, and I love to go back. And that was the early 80s. I love to go back and just look at what I was highlighting and the notes that I have scrawled in the margins because that's what God was speaking to me then. And then, and then I, I got this, uh, this Amplified Bible when we went back to Albuquerque. I was working at Believer Center and, and leading the Bible college there. After the first year, they gave me this Amplified Bible. I've had to duct tape it back together a couple of times. But I carried that for years and years. And there are different notes in there. There are different, you know, things stuck on pages and all kinds of stuff in there. Highlights of different things. That's what God was speaking to me in that segment of my life. And while I still use every one of these, you know, there's an NIV study Bible that was from about the late, maybe 2010, somewhere around in there as we were leading this church. And there's different notes in there. There's different notes in that Spirit-Filled Life Bible. There's different notes in every one of them. Some of the same notes. And then now it's on the iPad and I can still highlight everything. I don't do the online thing. I've got my Bible on there. But anyway, for me, those Bibles are one of the things that leads me back to remember God's faithfulness in each one of those. Again, there are places that we'll go and we'll remember what God was saying at that time. There are people in our lives. We just met this when we were in Albuquerque with a, a woman that was real instrumental, she and her husband, when we were being called up here. And we didn't know very many people that started churches in small communities. And they had, there were two couples that the Lord used to help us understand, how do you start a church in a, in a little tiny town? Everybody was going to big cities. Thank God we didn't have to do that. And, and so, you know, but those people in our lives have been important. And they're just the, just the friendship itself is so central and so important in our lives. We don't necessarily see each other that much anymore, but there's a, there's a marker there of God's faithfulness. They've he brought these people into our life at this time. So there are all kinds of things, and it's really up to you to figure out how this works for you. But I want to say today that this is a principle in the Scripture. Build memorials into your life. Write down your testimonies. And while I'm on it, I'll just do an ad for our RMCM testimony book, which we aren't using very well, but a couple of us are. Diane has been fabulous and and uh, Cindy's been fabulous. So anyway, this is always out there. It's out there for you to write. Just that doesn't have to be the parting of the Red Sea. Just write what God is doing in your life. Let us know. And I have so many of you have come and said, oh, I need to do that. I did the same thing. I finally put one in from two years ago, the other day, because I felt guilty. And, and so, you know, 
write down what God is doing so all of us can read this and be encouraged and get hope from what God's doing in your life. So this is always out front, out there. Everybody's welcome to write in it. Or if nobody can read your writing, like my writing, then I just print it out and tape it in there. That's absolutely fine. Several people have done that. So are you good? But you understand what we're saying this morning? It's important. And that's why it's important right now. That's why we take this service every year. Yeah, Thanksgiving comes around once a year. But we need to have frequent reminders of what God has done in our lives. And then fear won't be able to dominate your life. And hope will be a part of your life as gratitude is a part of your life. Does that make sense? All right. You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.